Get your heart going? Do you like that stuff? Come on, what was the first thing that you got in your head when you saw it? Stupid. That's what you thought, right? You're like, are you kidding me? Did that guy just do that? How is the first time that he thought, you know, I think I'm going to go for a quadruple back off the cliffs? Like, what? Like, how does that happen? Man, we think that adventure is a great, it's one of our, I think it's, uh, I don't know if you know this, but it's one of our eight core values that we have in our church that we value adventure. And we think it's because it's a godly thing. We think it's because it, it's a great symbol for what it looks like to be in a relationship with God, this idea of adventure. And here's why, and we're cutting to the chase right now. This is going to be my definition of it. We're going to talk about it eight, nine weeks, then in, even probably into uh, uh, Advent a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about adventure from this angle, not alone, but this thing for me is this is how I define it. I define adventure as things are adventurous when we're out of control. That's what I think. You resonate with that? Things are adventurous when we're out of control. Adventure is totally out of control. It's when we go, okay, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know if it's going to go well. I think that I'm at risk. And I go, you know what? That sounds a lot like a relationship with God. Can anybody relate to that deal? I mean, that's what we think this is about. This walking with God thing is adventurous because we're out of control. I was just reflecting with somebody recently on an adventure that that, um, Ben and Linda and I did last year. And we may have told you about it. I don't know. Maybe Ben bragged about it because he brags about all his running stuff. But um, it was a year ago now, but we ran a section of the um, Pacific Crest Trail from Carson Pass up in the Tahoe Rim area, Carson Pass on Highway 88 to Echo Pass on Highway 50. And it's about 13 miles and it's all above like 8,500 feet. And it's a 13-mile route, and we had somebody drop us at one end, and then Katie picked us up at the other end. And so we, we started going well, by to the car, and then we just headed in, and we'd never gotten in the middle of this thing. We'd never hiked all the way through, because that's a long ways. 13 miles is a long ways. And we took off. Can you picture us? A little running shorts. Here we go. Let's go. And so the three of us took off to do this, basically amounted to a half marathon up at, like, you know, over, over 8,000 feet. Well, the thing that was adventurous about it was we didn't know if we had what it took. It's not like we we're up there training in, you know, like mountain goats. Like we weren't going, you know, I, I, I got this in me. We didn't know. We didn't know if there was going to be snow on the trail and we would totally lose the trail and then not be able to figure out how to get, you know, out on the other side. We didn't know if somebody was going to get, you know, clawed by a bear in the middle of the deal and then what we were going to do from there. I mean, we just didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know if, we, if the trail even went through, if there was a mudslide. We had no idea whether we were going to get from one end to the other. And it felt super like we're adventurous because we couldn't guarantee the outcome and we didn't know how it would go. Partway through the race, somewhere through the, or the race, it wasn't a race, it was a, just a run. Partway through the run, uh, I look back, Linda is kind of moving, is she here? Kind of moving slow. And I look over at her, and I'm like, dang, how is she doing? And I'm like, how are you doing? She's like, this is hard. And then I look back a little later, she's crying. You're crying. Oh, good idea, Jeff. Go on that run with your wife. She's crying on the run, and I'm like, okay, this is supposed to be an adventure. It's just not supposed to be. She's crying on the run, and she goes, I cry on all of our long runs. I'm like, you do? I'm sorry. I look at Ben. I'm like, I made my wife cry. He's like, I feel like crying a little bit right now. I mean, we were in the middle of it. Was it not? I mean, it just we had no idea. And, you know, I, we got all the way to the end of the thing, and I could, we could actually hear the highway at the other end. Still, I mean, totally racked, totally tired, going way up in the mountains on the single track running trail. And I rolled my ankle within earshot of the parking lot so bad that I basically hopped all the way there. I mean, can you imagine if that had happened 
five and a half miles before that, where you were six miles from anything, you know, on either end. And Ben just says to me, you know, just so you know, if that had happened in the middle of the trail, I wasn't going to carry you. <laughs> but we didn't know how that would go. But, you know, all, all of us have stories where we go, man, that was awesome in my life that I went and took this chance and I tried to climb that mountain or I tried to learn that language or I tried to enter into the dating world or I tried to, you know, I mean, there's these adventures in our life where we go, it's pretty crazy because I don't know how it's going to turn out. You guys, that's a metaphor for walking with God because our relationship with God, if there's any other way to define it, I don't know a better one, a relationship with God is about being out of control and giving him control of our lives. And every one of us has to go, oh, that is not that easy, right? That is not that easy. So if you, and if you don't get anything else, I mean, we're, we're talking not about, well, I want you to go climb a mountain or I want you to go run a race. I want to talk about the, the, the adventure of being on a spiritual journey where we literally, literally become followers of Jesus. And we don't know how that's going to go. We don't know how that's going to go. We don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't know what risks we're going to face. We don't know if we got it within us to make it. We don't know if there's something in the middle of the trail and we're going to get off course. We don't know if we're going to roll our ankle and our friend's going to have to carry our sorry behinds the rest of the way. We don't know. If you got nothing else out of my little talk this morning, I'm just introducing the idea of adventure. I'm going to introduce something else. And, and, and if, you get miss, if you get nothing else, I want you to get this. Anything less than being out of control is not authentic Christianity. Anything less than being totally out of control is not authentic Christianity. Because once we cease to become a follower of the living God, Jesus in our lives, you lead, I'm following, here we go. I don't know where we're going. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Any le- anything less than that, once we cease to do that, it's not authentic Christianity. It's religion. And maybe we identify with Christianity. But it's not authentic in the sense that we do not follow our Lord Jesus. If we were to put a truth serum in all of your coffee, which we do. Did you know we do that every week? And had you reflect on where and how do I actually follow Jesus? Not follow Jesus' rules. Somehow align a little with Jesus' heart. But I mean follow our Lord Jesus. How do you follow Jesus? How would that reflection go? Would you be challenged a little bit and then think, man, I'm more in control of my life than I want to admit. But Jesus should be in control. That's where we're talking about. The adventure of following Christ is about being out of control. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next several, uh, several uh, weeks. And the other thing I want to introduce to you is the book of Exodus, because we're going to take some stories. We think Exodus is one of the great books that reflect this idea that God is in control. And we're going to grab some stories of people and situations of God's people and Moses in the book of Exodus and have that help us kind of get our heads around this idea of living and rediscovering adventure, risk, out of control. So we're going to look at Exodus. And to start this morning, our text is, um, I just want us to look at the last two uh, Paragraphs, short paragraphs in the book of Exodus. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it or find it underneath the chair. It's the very, Exodus is the second book in the Bible, and this is the very last paragraph of the book. And uh, we also have it up on the screen. It's Exodus chapter 40. And we'll explain it a little bit, but I just want you to get a sense of where this book lands at the end of 40 chapters in the Old Testament. 
And we'll talk a little bit about Get Oriented to it as well before I make a few more points and call that an introduction to our uh, series. Exodus chapter 40. This is the very end of the book. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Okay, now you're going to need some orientation. You're going to need to get in here and read this book and figure out what that's about. But the cloud was the presence of God that went with God's people, went with Israel. And the glory of the Lord kept showing up in this book and it filled the tabernacle. Here's what the tabernacle is. The tabernacle was a temporary temple. It was the first temple where God dwelled with his people on earth. And he told him to go set it up. He said, you go set this up, make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among you. And while they were working to put this tabernacle together, it was something that could be moved around, because as we know, they were moving around. Moses set up this thing called the tent of meeting, and he put it right outside the door, and it was a very quick tent, and it was a tent of meeting where he could go into the very presence of God. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. The presence of God covered the tent of meeting where Moses was meeting with him. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. And the glory of the Lord in repetition, typical Old Testament repetition. And the glory of the Lord did what? Filled the tabernacle. God showed up. We can't miss that when we start talking about adventure and being out of control. God showed up. You're out of control without God showing up. You're just a circus. You know what I'm saying? You're out of control when God shows up. Now we got adventure. With me? Look at the next couple verses. In all the travels of the Israelites, look at that phrase, isn't that great? In all the travels of the Israelites. It makes it sound like they were on some sort of a junket, some sort of a retired, you know, uh, uh, you know t- uh, travel exploration. No, they were out in the desert. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted, from above the tabernacle, they would set out. If the cloud did not lift, they did not set out, not until it lifted. You hear what's going on here? They, uh, so the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. They could see the presence of God among them everywhere they went. And in fact, they only went somewhere when the glory of God said, now go this way, and they got up and went, And if the glory of God didn't go that way, they didn't go. You see it? This was an adventure that these people were going to go through. We're going to pick some stuff out of their um, experience and their journey and uh, uh, over the next few weeks. But I just wanted to to get a couple of those. I'm going to make a couple observations about them in just a minute. But let me give you a quick uh, um, review of Exodus. You know what Exodus is? Exodus, second book in the Bible, Old Testament, part of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the Pentateuch, first five books, okay? Moses wrote most of it. People of Israel put it all together. It's the big, big five, man. And Exodus is the second part. Now, if you've read Genesis before, and it's got like 50 chapters, and so you've got to get caught up if you're going to read Exodus with us. So you've got 50, at least 50 chapters to do this week, okay? That might be 30 minutes. You might have 30 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day over the next seven days to get caught up. Who's got that in them? You've got 30 minutes to spend time with God? I don't think so. Yes, you do. That was a joke. Get caught up. Read Genesis. So Genesis is from the beginning through all the patriarchs, through all the fathers of our faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob was renamed Israel. Israel had 12 sons. One of them was Joseph. Joseph got sent to Egypt by his brothers, sold into slavery. Oh, I've seen that musical, you say. Yeah, right. And so he's in Egypt. And then all of Israel comes down and Israel starts getting blessed, living in Egypt. Okay, Joseph dies. End of Genesis. Exodus starts. Joseph has been gone. Israel has been growing. Tons of Israelites in Egypt becoming more powerful, but they're slaves, becoming lots and lots of them. 
and Moses is born. And now we got the story of Moses. So Exodus is the story of Moses, who then becomes the deliverer of God's people out of their ever-increasing harsh treatment, treatment by the Egyptians and gets them uh, the plagues come, the Passover, deliverance through the Red Sea, God's victory. God goes, come on then, you're my people. Let's go. Gets them out of there, takes them out of Egypt, puts them through the Red Sea. They get delivered and they show up where? In the desert. Yeah, great. That's cool. We got all delivered. Yeah, in the desert. And now they're in the desert. Now they're wishing they were back in Egypt. Uh, manna comes down, right? This is all in Exodus. You with me? Little lights going on, flannel board from Sunday school. You can remember any of this stuff? And now they begin the wandering in the desert. Anybody know how long they stayed there? 40 years. Yeah, this, but Exodus is just the beginning of it, just the beginnings of the wanderings. And they're getting this idea that God's going to be with them and they're going to be out of control. That's what they're going to be figuring out in here. The Ten Commandments come to the Lord. They camp at the bottom of Mount Sinai. Lord gives them the commandments and other ordinances, says, hey, we're going to work together. We're going to have a covenant relationship here. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. Here's how you live. And they're like, okay, we'll do that until Moses disappeared a little too long and then they made a golden calf and some idols and had a party. It was awful. Read that story. And then Moses had to come back and do it all over again. Ten Commandments, ordinances. And then there's a whole section of Exodus. We won't do a lot of preaching on it because it's a lot of detail about how they set up the tabernacle. And you look at the outline of the book and you think you spent like 20 chapters, maybe 15, talking about the details of this place of worship. And then you get to the end and he says, my glory is going to come and live here with you. And you don't go anywhere when my glory's here and my glory lifts, then you come and you follow. And you see the pattern set up where God said, I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people, and you're going to follow me, and now we're on an adventure. That's the book of Exodus. There you go. So if you missed Sunday school all those years, that was it. You got it. And that was free. But catch up and let's read together, and we'll be in the first couple chapters of it next week. But this is where we're going. We're talking about the adventure of actually being a follower of Jesus. Because anything short of out of control is not authentic Christianity. And we're going to take some stuff from the book, the book of Exodus. All right? You sound like a good plan for the next couple months? All right, let me give you two quick observations in, in the few minutes that I've got left, uh, which is pastor speak for I'm going to go now. We're going to, we're going to preach it now, and we'll just see when we get done. Uh, two things that I want to, I want to point out about the, from just this last couple verses of the book, which are so cool. Number one, this is it. It's an adventure to find life, capital life, life, the life of God, in his presence. It's an adventure to find the life of God in his presence. Not to mean it's an adventure to try to find it, meaning it's in this adventure is that we find the life that we want in his presence. We find it in his presence. We find it in the reality of the presence of God. See, the adventurous life, the amazing life that God has promised us. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly, that life is not found in the details of life. It's found in his presence. You with me? That's what the text says. Look back at the first two verses again of this text. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory, don't miss the word, but it was glorious. The glory of God's presence filled the tabernacle. And Moses couldn't go in there because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled it. This is a great thing. The glory of the Lord kept showing up and rocking their planet. The glory of the Lord all the way through Exodus. Somebody want to do some homework? Read where the glory kept showing up in Exodus. There's a whole bunch of cool passages. God kept showing up and going, I am amazing, is essentially what was happening. 
And they were like, you are amazing. And we will live and serve you. He was so glorious. The, even just his presence, and we don't even know exactly what the glory looks like. There's one little hint where it said the glory looked to them like the mountaintop was full of a consuming fire. Come on now. I want that to show up. That glory kept showing up, and it was literally just the presence of God himself was so glorious that they said, we're all about you. You are what we want. And you guys, this adventure for us is not that God's going to give you a life that's so much better than somebody else's life. Look at your life. It has all these characteristics that are great. And I'm going to bless you with a great wife, Yenzi, and I'm going to bless you with great kids, and I'm going to give you this, and I'm going to give you that. That's not what, where life is found, friends. Life all the way through our scriptures is found by the simple, glorious presence of God. Life's not found in life. Life is found in God. You hear that? Life's not found in life. It never is. So people, what we do is we try to get some life then. We go, you know, this makes me happy. I want more of that. Then this makes me not so happy. I'm going to stay away from that. And then we start controlling our life. But what we said was anything short of out of control is not authentic Christianity. We actually have to live out of control and let the presence of God fill whatever life he brings. Friends, your life's not good because your marriage is good. Because it may not be. And then you're stuck going, my life's not good because I'm in a hard time in my marriage. That cannot, for the people of God, be what we're destined to. That when your circumstances go up, you're doing great. And when your circumstances go down, you're not doing great. That's what we have. That's what we have. And that's what we have to offer a broken world. No. What we have is when you're here and your relationship's doing good, that's the glory of God pouring out on you. And when your relationship and your marriage is struggling, life is full of adventure and glory because God's still present when it's down here. And if you have kids, you're blessed and you feel great. And when you don't have kids, you know that God has meeting you in that place and it's full of glory. Life is found in his presence, not in the external. Are we going to live on those external things or are we going to know that God infuses all of our life with him? And that's enough. Does that ring a little bit? That's not enough. I that's not enough for most of us, let's be honest. I want some light. I want some stuff to go along with that. I want some security to go along with that. I want some things that are going to make me feel better. I want some less pain. That's actually how I feel. I don't want all, I want a little relief from stuff. But it is enough. That's what God says. And you hear it in the scriptures. It, it rings true of some scriptural things. Paul's saying, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in plenty or in want, I can do everything through Christ. I have all things. Paul went on to say in another book, he said, he said uh, what did he say? I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness. Whatever was to my credit, I consider it a loss compared to the surpassing glory, essentially, of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's all I got. It's all I got and that's all I need. Friends, we may be a long ways from that because we put all these secure things around our lives and we go, that's where I'm finding life. And God says, you know what the adventure is going to be? The adventure is going to be you finding life in me alone. That's where life's going to be found. Wow. You know, it's like when nothing else matters but God himself. Wow. Isn't that powerful? You know what I can liken that to? I liken that to young love. Young love, married couples, beginning of their relationship, they don't need anything. They don't eat. They don't sleep. Am I right? We just have each other. Linda and I, when we got married, we got married in April of 1986. And in April of 1986, we 
came back from our honeymoon, gave our notice, quit our jobs. We were both unemployed in three weeks because, you know, that's a super smart thing to do. (laughs) And our parents thought it was really responsible too. But we quit our jobs and we moved to the Napa Valley and we rented a cottage behind some big house in the middle of the vineyards. And we spent the first four and a half months, five months almost, of our married life hanging out in the Napa Valley, water skiing, playing tennis, going swimming, sitting in the sunshine, and look, gazing into each other's eyes. Is that awesome? And you know why? Because we didn't need to work. Because why? We could live off our love. That's all we needed. We literally would go, hey, we're out of food. Do we have any more money? No. Okay, let's go look for a little work. And I knew how to wash windows because I, I'd been trained in a maintenance company when I was a kid. And in high school, I had a job to wash the windows. So we'd go knock on doors and go, hey, we'll wash your windows for 100 bucks. And they'd be like, great. And we'd wash their windows. And then we'd say, can we hang out by your pool for the rest of the day? And they'd be like, sure. And we made friends. And we took the 100 bucks and we bought a little bit of food. That's all we needed. My life had nothing. You know what? I didn't have a car payment. You know how much my car cost? Literally $865. That's how much my car costs. Some of you have $865 car payments, but we lived off our love. That's all we needed. It's that kind of a sense that life is rich simply because of what we have. And my friends, no matter what your life circumstances, the adventure is not God making it better. The circumstances is God infusing his glory in to your life. The adventure is having life just in the presence of God, no matter where you go, no matter what it looks like, no matter how you feel, God is here. And that's all I need. Come on, Lord, do that in our hearts. Don't you want to be that person? Totally out of control and free from those other things. Otherwise, we're going to control it. We're going to manipulate it. We're going to need more of this and less of that and all those kinds of things. And then, friends, you know what? We end up in control of our own lives. It's an adventure to find life in his presence. And secondly, it's an adventure to find life in his leading. So not just him infusing himself in the middle of all of our life and bringing glory to those things. And, you know, I want to camp so much on that. I want to camp so much on him infusing glory into the middle of our lives. I want you to to feel the Italian passion in that. Do you have heart in you? Do you have an Italian heart in you? That there's, like, like one of the, Bruce Peterson said to me, man, you know what? When I see joy, I get my, tears come to my eyes. When I see the joy of Becca and Anthony yesterday getting married, it just makes tears come to my eyes. He's like, I don't like that. And now I just outed him. I said that. Is he here? First gathering. I just told him. He, he's like, it just, it feels, it's, that's the glory of God. When you've been married and when you've been divorced and then married, or you've been, when you go to a wedding and you know the richness of God showing up and what they're going to go through and that he's going to have to take care of them, you don't feel the richness of that, you know, then you're, then you're dead. But that's how God infuses glory into the things that we have. Ah, oh, man, that's so good. I want to live like that every day. I want to be that guy. May God make us all that guy. In the adventure, uh, that's finding life in his presence. Second point was, it's an adventure to find life in his leading. It's an adventure to find life in his leading. The life is in where God's going to take us. No matter where we go. Look at the second half of those verses, verse 36 and following. Very end of the book. In all the travels, love the phrase, in all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they'd set out. If it didn't lift, they wouldn't set out. You hear that? It's like the Lord goes, when I say go and my glory goes, you go get glory wherever he takes you. If I don't go, you don't go. I'm in control. You see it, church? Super simple. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day. The fire was in the cloud by night. God's presence was there, and it was in the sight of Israel when? In all their travels. They always had the presence of God leading them everywhere they went or they didn't go. 
This is Christianity. This is us following Jesus, following our Savior. Where did they go? They didn't know. They didn't know where they were going. We call it the wanderings. Imagine how it felt to them for 40 years. They just followed God's glory. Wherever God went, the presence of God went, that's where they went. They had no idea how it was going to turn out. Does that not sound like everybody's real life? You don't know. You don't know where this is going. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what this relationship looks like. You know, again, reflecting on the idea of young love and marriage, do you think when I met Linda when she was 12, I was 13, do you think I knew who she would be as my wife, my lover, the mother of my children, your worship leader? Do you think I knew who she would be when she was, you know, her age now? (laughs) I had no idea. And then when I got a crush on her when I was 16, and then when I started dating her when I was 17, do you think I knew the depth of who that woman would be in my life? Do you think I knew the challenges that we would face? Do you think I knew that at the time? No idea. Isn't that right? People, you think you, think you know what's ahead. Well, I got that figured out. I think I can marry this person. When we do premarital counseling, right? Premarital uh, couples are the stupidest people on the face of the earth. And it's God's evolutionary trick to get them to get married. But part of it is we let them be stupid. We let them think they know, well, we're compatible and it's going to work out. And I think you don't don't know who this woman's going to be in 25 years. That's the adventure of it. When we are prone to just live out our destinations and our goals and our dreams and what we vision life can be, if I'm left to my own vices, friends, I'm going to have a small life that smells like me. I want God's destination and God's dreams and God's leading and God's glory. I want God to tell me what it's going to be like, and then I'm all in, and that will be epic and adventurous. You hear the difference? That's what we're supposed to be about. But we go, man, mentally, this is where we're going. This is what i got to do. I can't go there. I don't want. But we go. We go because the glory of God said, you want glory? Keep up. We're going. This adventure is finding life in the leading of God. And it's always going to turn out better because he's God. Hello, did I just say that out loud? It's always going to turn out better because he's God. Do you need to write that down? Yesterday at, the, uh, at Becca's wedding, I was sitting, uh, we were sitting at a table and, and my wife and Ken Croner were talking. Ken, are you in this gathering? And that's good. Oh, he is? And uh, anyway, they're talking and Ken found out or was reminded or whatever that Linda and I had gone to Davis. And he's like, I almost went to Davis actually to work my first job out of my uh, 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 PhD. I'm sorry, out of him, he's got a PhD. So he was a, you know, he was a professor, right? So he's a professor, and uh, his first job, he almost got a job at Davis, and he was talking about how he loved Davis, and he was really, like, really wanted to go to Davis, and really wanted to teach there, and loved the town, and loved the community, and loved the department, and loved all this stuff, and now he didn't get to go to Davis. He ended up teaching in Arizona, at Arizona, University of Arizona, right? So he's in Arizona, uh, he get, ends up going to Arizona, and he goes, but here's the thing. I got an offer from Davis two days after I accepted the position in Arizona, and I felt like I'd already given them my word. And, and he was sharing the story like, man, what a bummer. Like, I ended up in Arizona, and I really wanted to go to Davis. It's two days later, you know. And Linda's listening to him, and she goes, didn't you meet Jennifer in Arizona, his wife? And he's like, yeah. And Linda's like, that's why you went to Arizona. Like, what were you thinking? He's like lamenting, man, I could have gone to Davis. He's like, you met Jennifer there. Ken's like, yeah, that's a really good point. (laughs) And he's like, you know, Jennifer's across the table. He's like, yeah, thanks for that tip. That's a really good call. Good way to look at it. It's always better 
When the glory moves, we go with God's plan. And we don't know what the end is going to be, but it's going to be his plan and not ours because anything less than being out of control is not authentic Christianity. That's what we're about. It's an adventure to find life in his leading. Are you in control? Does he control your adventure? Is his glory present where you're present and leading you where you're going? What does that look like for you? Friends, I hope this ignites a fire in you to be that kind of guy, to be that kind of woman where the adventure is in his presence and in his leading. That's what following Jesus is all about. Some of you today are content to be religious, I think. Yeah, I'm religious. I got the God thing around me. I do some good stuff. I stop doing some bad stuff. I'm religious. Some of you are content go further than that. You're, you're content being religious, but you're content being a Christian. You're content identifying with Christ. So, like you get the gospel. You get Jesus died to save you. You get he died on the cross for you, and you're forgiven. You're going to heaven. Like You get all that. You've said yes, been baptized. Glory, hallelujah. My friends, I'm trying to paint the picture and want to paint it for the next season of time here. Being religious is okay. I'm religious. Being a Christian is great. Yeah, you got to get, get saved. But we're talking about the step that says, and now I follow Christ, Jesus, my Lord, my living Savior daily into his adventure for me. Today, tomorrow, next year, and on. That's who we are. And we're on that adventure together. I hope this fires us up to be going, come on, God, make us those people and that church. Bring your glory. And that's what Moses said. Go check it out in Exodus 33. He said, I'll go wherever you want me to go. You just go with me and you show me your glory. May it be true of us. Let me pray for you. Father God, just before, uh, and Yens and David, come on, make your way up here as I'm praying. because We got one more announcement. Thank you, God, for your presence in this room. Thank you for the adventure of following you. We love it. We love it. We love it conceptually. We hate it because we like being in control and we like to know how the story's going to end but we'd way rather live the epic, glorious adventure of following you. God, teach us to do that. If there's somebody in this room that has no idea how to go there, no idea what that means, how do you know Jesus? How can you follow Jesus? God, ignite a fire in them that does not go out until they learn. How do I follow Jesus? But make us those people, God. Bless the reading and the reflection of your word today, we pray in the name of Christ.